Welcome you to uh, Prophecy Night tonight. Uh, I am excited. You know, lots going on. Whenever, uh, whenever the devil starts to attack and there's little uh, annoyances and stresses and problems in life, you know, I usually get pretty discouraged at first, but then I go, this is exciting. It just means we've got the devil's attention, and we've got the devil's attention. Our, uh, our basement flooded today, so... Um, what fun, right? So uh, Wendy's home with the kids. We got three shop vacs going. We're trying to stay ahead of it. We got an adjuster coming out if we can just get it to uh, to dry up. But uh, anyway, pray for that. Big deal because we got all of our kids at home and our granddaughter, and you know it's it's a busy place. It's not ideal to have to be contending with ankle deep water. So pray for us on that regard. But uh, you know things are definitely heating up. We see this happening. Uh, all around us, news items. We're going to look at a few different things uh, today. But as always, first, uh, some uh, moments of levity. Maybe you've seen this. This was a sign in a bookstore. It said, please note the post-apocalyptical fiction section has been moved to current affairs. You ever feel like that? That's the way I feel. Boy, it's happening. It's coming fast, full speed ahead. Uh, and then uh, this is a Babylon Bee. To catch up on today's news, a man just reads two-year-old posts on a conspiracy blog. Yeah, maybe not even two years ago, you know. Uh, conspiracy theories are headline news six months later. Uh, and then uh, this is just a news item that uh, I talked about yesterday on the podcast with my friend and technology expert, Shane, about how uh, a chatbot preached a sermon at a big church in Germany uh, and, uh, you know, it was well-received. And uh, so in my, on my podcast yesterday, very fascinating discussion, as always, with, uh, with my guest Shane about technology, and he's a guru in that regard. We talked a lot about uh, the coming job losses. And I got to tell you, by the way, he was pretty serious about how serious this is. But even after the show, offline, he said, look, I, I want you to understand, I think... I think we're headed within the next year to like 80% unemployment. I mean, he thinks it's going to be devastating. So anyway, I thought, and I said this yesterday, um, you know, nobody's immune to losing their job. You know, I've thought all along 35 years of ministry, I've thought, well, as long as I can speak and write, and, I, and my mind doesn't go. I mean, some of you think it might already have gone, but uh, it's a matter of opinion. Uh, but as long as I have my mental faculties and I can speak and write, I can earn a living till Jesus comes, you know, as long as there's an audience to preach the gospel to. But apparently, even preachers and teachers are not immune to having their jobs taken by uh, AI. And all of this is, of course, part of the biblical picture. Um, haven't shared these verses in a while on Prophecy Night, uh, but I was on an interview this morning, and I thought, you know, I need to talk to you guys about this just to make sure we're still understanding and still tracking with the big picture here. The big picture is that God's Word tells us in the late first century, as the Bible was coming to a close and the God's complete revelation was wrapping up everything He needed us to know about His plan of the ages, He said, look, one Antichrist is coming, capital A, but even now many Antichrists have already come. In fact, he says, that's how we know it's the last hour. And indeed, this is the last age. If you look at my chart book and my panoramic view of the ages, according to Scripture, we're living in the final age before the kingdom comes. The church age is the last age prior to the kingdom. And that means that 
that it's the last days. And that's why the Bible calls it the last days or sometimes the last hour. And uh, in that same book in chapter 4, this is the kind of the, the uh, premise for my uh, two-volume set, Spirit of the Antichrist books. He says, the spirit of the Antichrist, this future man of sin that will uh, tyrannically rule the world at the behest of Satan after the rapture, that spirit's already here. And uh, it's already in the world. And so if that's true, and of course it is because God's Word said it is, that means that we should see an upsurge in some of the types of activities that the Antichrist will preside over in the future seven-year tribulation. Hence the, the two books, and, and hence what we're talking about in this series. The time is now. Bible prophecy matters now more than ever. Uh, so, you know, the, just as a reminder that as we try to take a look at current events and see how that could be setting the stage for Scripture, that is, I mean, for the uh, return of the Lord, that is very scriptural. That's very, very biblical. Um, Jesus tells us to, to watch for the signs of the times. Now, you know, there's a, a continuum of responses to that and, and approaches to that among the prophecy world. Uh, some people lean more to the sensationalist side, and they're out there with their calculators and trying to pick a date and look at the blood moons and the Shemitahs and just try to, you know, do the math and say the rapture is going to happen on this date, you know. Uh, I don't believe you should do that. I don't think the Bible supports that at all. I don't think we know when the rapture is going to happen. It's imminent. Um, but, of course, on the other end of the spectrum are those who think that, you know, the rapture and the second coming are two are, are the same event, that there's no distinction between the church and Israel. There's no rapture for the church. So we're all going to live through the 70th week of Daniel and endure the wrath of God. And then someday in the future, the, the good will go to heaven, the bad will go to hell. This is paraphrasing, and it's all over. So they... They, they don't really have a, a well-developed, accurate view of eschatology, the study of, of the end times. So we don't want to go to either extreme. We want to let the Bible say what it says. And, uh, but I believe that we are living on the cusp of some pretty major events. I, I, every day I wake up and, and read the headlines, I think we may not make it to 2024. I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm, that's my gut feeling. That's not a prediction. I'm not a prophet nor the son of the prophet. Um, by the way, I might mention, speaking of being the son of a prophet, my dad's not a prophet, but my mom and dad are coming for a visit, and they're going to be at Prophecy Night in two weeks. And so can't wait for you to meet him. We're going to have a real special night that night. I'm going to interview my dad. He's 81. Uh, my mom's almost 80 and uh, just loves the Lord, loves his word. He, he's taught me well. They both have. My grandfather, his dad was a preacher. So I'm just going to just share some testimony time, and I think you'll really enjoy getting... Uh, 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 getting to meet them. But anyway, uh, I'm not the son of a prophet, but I, I do really feel like we're getting close. I just, I can't see, you know, you know, us, us going much beyond this decade, if, if, if that. So that's exciting. That's not fear-mongering. That's exciting because we believe the, first, the next event is the blessed hope, the great rescue. Um, and it could get and will get worse and worse and worse up until that moment. And we may face, face some pretty devastating times if the Lord delays his coming. And by delays, I mean if, it's, if his coming is delayed. I'm not saying that the Lord's up there trying to decide when he's going to come back. He knows exactly when he's going to come back. But it's just a phrase that we use to indicate if the, the return of the Lord, you know, doesn't happen for a while, we, we're all going to be facing some pretty hard times. 
but God is bigger, uh, bigger than all that. And so I wanted to start tonight before we get into uh, how the stage is being set uh, uh, psychologically. I just have a few more things to talk about from last week to wrap that one up, and then we're going to get into the eighth way the stage is being set. Uh, which is genetically. But before we do that, I, I want to just give you some encouragement. I was reading in Proverbs 13 today, and it reminds us that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. It is the, the consummate blessing. And, you know, we're, we desire the return of the Lord, and we desire the fulfillment of His promises in Scripture, and that's going to happen. And then uh, in Proverbs 12, you know, yesterday was June 12th, in Proverbs 12, several verses just really encouraged me. Uh, a man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. And Proverbs has a lot to say about the juxtaposition between the evil and the righteous. And in general, it's talking about God's people, believers, and unbelievers. When it talks about wisdom and foolish, that's a little bit more uh, practical, and it doesn't necessarily mean the foolish are unbelievers and the wise are believers. Sometimes believers can act foolish. And so it gives us a lot of wisdom about how to be wise, how to live out our faith. But when it's talking about the righteous and the wicked, there could be no doubt it's talking about believers and unbelievers. And we know that the root of the righteous cannot be moved. Uh, these wicked Luciferians that are trying to take over the world, um, they really think they've got it all in control. They think they're untouchable. Uh, they think, you know, their plans and schemes will come to, to pass, but they forget that God is up there laughing at them, as we read about in Psalm 2. Um, verse 7 says, The wicked are overthrown and are no more, <laughs> but the house of the righteous will stand. You know, someday when all is said and done after the great white throne judgment, uh, the Antichrist, the false prophet who will have already been in the lake of fire for a thousand years, uh, will be joined by Satan and his, all of his legion of demons, and they will all be tormented day and night forever and ever. What will be left standing? The people of God and uh, the eternal state. Uh, verse 13, the wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. You know, I, I love that. I mean, you know, this fallen world in which we live <clears throat> is uh, sure to bring trouble. No question. We've all been there. We've seen it, and some people have more heartache than others, but Proverbs says the, the, uh, uh, the heart knows its own, uh, uh, what's the word? The heart knows its own, I forget the exact quote, but the heart knows its own desperation, but the, uh, uh, and a stranger doesn't share its joy. In other words, you know, you no matter how happy and, and, and excited and blessed I feel, you'll never really be able to climb inside my heart and figure out how happy I am. And no matter how discouraged and, and depressed and difficult life is and how much heartache we experience, you'll never be able to really relate on that. The heart knows its own bitterness. That's what the heart knows its own bitterness and the stranger does not share its joy. So, uh, you know, I, I get that. And we go through trouble. Jesus promised we would go through trouble. But the difference between the wicked and the righteous is we're going to come through it one way or the other. We may be martyred. We may die. We may, you know, die without being martyred. We just may go the way of all flesh if the Lord doesn't come back in our lifetime. But for the believer, death is the golden key that unlocks the riches of eternity. We never have to worry about death. Death has already been defeated. It's just moving from this sin-stricken life and sin-stricken body into the eternal state and the presence of our Lord. Um, and so one way or the other, we're going to come through trouble, and the wicked won't. 
they're going to be tormented day and night forever if they don't believe uh, the gospel. Another way of saying that is verse 21 in the same chapter. No grave trouble will overtake the righteous, but the wicked will be filled with evil. Or anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. And I think that's what we're trying to do uh, here at the outset tonight. It's just, uh, you know, a pep talk, you know, for myself and for all of you that, um, you know, we have the good word. We, we know what how things are going to play out. We know who's on our side. The very next verse, by the way, I should have put this on here. The very next verse, after this key verse that has meant so much to me over the last few years as I worked on these books, uh, that says the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the Word. Verse 4 says, Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So we never have, we never have to worry. So last week we talked about some pretty heavy stuff about uh, the battle for the mind and how Satan and his minions have always been, you know, trying to take over the mind. And uh, so we talked about this under the banner of the stage being set psychologically, and I didn't have time to finish up the last few topics in that category, so I thought we would start with that tonight. One of them that I've talked about before, but it's, it was in a different context and it's been quite a while, uh, is MK Ultra. And, you know, in my book, I have a whole chapter on MKUltra, but Project MKUltra is the name that the CIA gave to its mind control program that involves secret experiments on unwitting, unsuspecting human subjects. Among other purposes, these experiments were intended to identify and develop drugs and procedures that could be used in interrogations in order to weaken the individual being interrogated and force confessions through manipulation of the mind. Um, it was organized through the Office of Scientific Intelligence of the CIA and coordinated with the United States Army Biological Warfare Laboratories. It was officially sanctioned in 1953. Uh, the official narrative says that by 1964 it was reduced in scope, further curtailed in 1967, and eventually halted in 1973 after the Church Committee hearings. But it's quite clear from whistleblowers and eyewitness accounts that it continues to this day. And MKUltra used all kinds of means and methods to manipulate the mind. Remember, we're talking about the stage being set psychologically. And, you know, within the last few decades, we've seen the, the evildoers reach new heights and new levels and new frontiers in their ability to control the minds of people and, and of the masses, for that matter. But they use high doses of psychotropic drugs, especially LSD, and other chemicals, electroshocks, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, verbal and sexual abuse, as well as other forms of torture. Kathy O'Brien is a victim uh, of MK Ultra who lived to tell about it, she and her daughter. And her book, uh, The Transformation of America, The True Life Story of a Mind Control Slave, details her horrific experiences. I cite that in my book. You can go to the bibliography and look that up. But I will warn you, it's not for the faint of heart, nor is it for if you have inquisitive teenagers or young people that you're trying to awaken to this, you know, evil world and the Luciferian conspiracy, don't recommend that book to them. I mean, it's quite graphic and it'll turn your stomach. You won't be able to read it all. You'll have to put it down at times. Um, and by the way, you, if you have young people or grandchildren, you ought to be meeting with them. As we went through our journey, we first started waking up 17 years ago, and we, the kids can tell you, we had almost nightly sometimes meetings where we would, I would recount to them the things that I had learned, 
and answer questions that they might have about it or they would have questions. And I would give them books to read and podcasts to listen to. Uh, you know, as we would travel extensively, uh, when the kids were younger, every time I went somewhere to speak, I would take one or two of the kids uh, with me because I needed somebody to work the table, you know. Uh, so basically, it was just, you know, free employees. Um, you like to eat? You want to wear shoes? You're coming with me to Nashville, you know. Um, and uh, But on those trips, they'll tell you, we listened to some of the most amazing interviews and podcasts and interviews of authors and got exposed to all kinds of things. And then, of course, it gave us an opportunity to talk about them, to run them through the grid of Scripture. Some of it is craziness that can be dismissed. Some of it is like, oh, I can see how that might uh, fit in. So I just say all that to say you ought to encourage your uh, kids to be aware of this stuff because if the Lord doesn't come back soon, they're going to be living through even worse stuff. Uh, and, and I would recommend those two Spirit of the Antichrist books. They're, the young people can read those uh, easily. Uh, but there were two main hubs for Project MKUltra, New York City and San Francisco. And MKUltra was really a, an umbrella a, you know, term for a project that had many sub-projects. For example, Mid, uh, Operation Midnight Climax was in San Francisco, where undercover CIA agents would use prostitutes to lure unwitting Johns for undisclosed testing. They had no idea they were being test subjects. They'd be drugged. They'd be you know, tortured. Um, They'd slip drugs into their drinks at the bar. Uh, we also saw uh, other outgrowths of Project MKUltra, like Operation Monarch, which was primarily the mind control experiments, um, you know, remote viewing and some of those things that the CIA was experimenting with, Operation Bluebird, Operation Artichoke, both of those focused on interrogation methods and how you can convince people uh, to admit to something. Um, in a Time Magazine article uh, from March 23, 2012, uh, the author talks about the legacy of the CIA's secret LSD experiments, and she wrote, newly classified uh, information blows wide the U.S. government's covert operation to dose hundreds, it was more like tens of thousands, of unwitting Americans with LSD. And, you know, this program was... Uh, I mean, it was powerful. It was uh, affected all levels. It was went, went all the way to the White House. Uh, former CIA Director William, make sure I get this right, Colby, who would know? Is he the one that died mysteriously yeah, on the river? He died in jail. Yeah. Well, he didn't. He I mean, wasn't in jail. This is the one. He was, I believe, most people believe he was killed, but he died very mysteriously while canoeing alone just days before he was supposed to testify under oath. Uh, anyway, he was. Uh, Anyway, I'm pretty sure it was Colby. If I'm wrong, someone will email me. I'm quite sure. Uh, but Because uh, I always get him and William Casey confused, but I'm pretty sure it was William Colby. They were both CIA director. But anyway, um, with you know a history like this, it should come to a, sh a shock to no one that the Luciferians would, would, would treat us all like lab rats and, and roll out the experimental gene-altering bioinjections. Um, I've got several... Uh, examples. I don't have them in tonight's presentation, but in the book I go through a whole section on would the government ever harm its own citizens. And it's documented case after documented case of, of times when, when they would uh, do that. Here's that book that I mentioned by Kathy O'Brien. Um, and then we talked about several weeks ago 
uh, on the podcast with Randy, and then it spilled over into a prophecy night, the whole gateway uh, experience. Um, it's blowing up on, on TikTok, uh, and it's all, all, all related to a classified 1983 CIA report on a technique called the gateway process. Um, if I can get it to work here. The gateway process, which is a training system designed to focus brainwave output in a manner that alters consciousness and ultimately escape the restrictions of time and space, time travel, basically. Well, once this got declassified, now it's blowing up and you can go to websites and watch how-tos and kids are just really having their minds messed with looking into this kind of stuff. But the CIA has long been interested in uh, you know, all kinds of psychic research, including uh, the theory and applications of remote viewing. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we see the declassified document that I talked about here uh, that talks about how the military was, you know, performing these experiments. And um, this uh, Lieutenant Colonel Wayne McDonald, who wrote this uh, uh, detailed report that you see on the screen there. Um, uh, by the way, Alan, would you read that for us? I'm just kidding. Uh, but take my word for it. You can Google it and find it and actually download the, the picture PDF of it. Um, but the document was called Analysis and Assessment of Gateway Process. It's a step-by-step -step guide on how to achieve an out-of-body experience that the intelligence community would use for intelligence uh, gathering. The uh, uh, movie, uh, what was it called? Men Who Stare at Goats. Uh, was based on a true story. It starred, uh, who was it? Uh, George Clooney. George Clooney, Jeff Bridges, Kevin Spacey, speaking of Luciferians. Um, anyway, uh, it was a true story, and it was the true story of remote viewers from the 70s and 80s under the direction of Hal Putoff, who directed the SRI International Program uh, using the abilities of Yuri Geller, Ingo Swan. One of my bucket list things was, was to see Ingo Swan in New York City in one of my trips there, but he, he's passed away now. I, won't, I don't think I'll be able to see him. I'm pretty sure that's true. I think I remember hearing that just recently. Again, if I'm wrong, somebody will email me. I don't mean to send Ingo Swan to an early grave. Hopefully he trusted the Lord before he got uh, passed away, if he did pass away. But this was all called a Stargate Project. That's what the, the program was called. Uh, and it was a pretty amazing ability. I've heard, uh, I've read several books by remote viewers and heard some of them interviewed. And, you know, I, I can't explain it other than through the biblical lens of sp the spiritual realm. Uh, just like throughout Scripture, we have, you know, sorcerers and magicians and evil people using evil spirits to do evil things. And we, of course, also have God doing amazing things as the Almighty God through angels and visions and dreams. Uh, there's another whole world out there that people just aren't, uh, aren't as familiar with. So um, basically, it's the blind leading the blind. You know, if, if you think about the influence of Jungian and Freudian and other pop psychology over the last hundred years, um, what we're doing is taking, as I talked about with AI last week, we're taking fallen man and saying, you know, tell me how I can come, become better. And psychology and psychiatry have played a huge role in the dumbing down of America and, frankly, the mind control of America. Um, I differentiate in my paradigm uh, between, you know, Christian psychology 
and you know, biblical counseling. I think there's a difference. No offense to any Christian counselors or Christian psychologists in the room, but you cannot get a psychology degree without you know, at least embracing for the point of a grade anyway, the, you know, the Freudian, Jungian type uh, viewpoints uh, that are based on Darwinian thought and secular humanistic thinking. Um, I believe the Bible gives us everything we need for life and godliness. So I hold to a non-integrationist approach that uh, we can certainly learn things about life from observation. The Bible tells us that. Proverbs 15.31 says, The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. So there's something to be said for experiential knowledge. But, you know, this notion of, you know, the ego and that man, you know, we have we are inherently good and, you know, th those types of things, behavioral psychology, all of that is not, is in contrast to, uh, to Scripture. And that's just another whole realm. And I only, I know I only have one slide. I talk about it a little bit more in the book. But I, I just wanted to put this up here to remind you that when we talk about the stage being set psychologically and mind control and things like that, this is part of it. Um, I might also mention, going back to MKUltra, that it's been well documented that many of the uh, so-called lone wolf shooters that shoot up schools or churches and so forth have been traced back either directly in some cases or indirectly to CIA operations. And the whole, uh, uh, you know, Hollywood concept uh, of uh, trained assassins, programmed assassins, uh, Jason Bourne, the whole Jason Bourne franchise, that's right out of the CIA. That's, you know, once again, art imitating life. It's true. And they can, uh, the late Russ Dizdar used to do a, a ton of work on that. He was the world expert in the whole concept of controlled assassins and trained people who can be triggered and have that demonic alter ego within them take over and, you know, go shoot up a crowd or, or do something like that. So as with most things in the world, things are seldom about what they're about. So uh, is it true that sometimes crazy, mixed up people just decide to pick up a gun and shoot a bunch of people? Sure. Sure. Um, but uh, it's also true that more often than not, there's, a, there's more to the story. There's multiple shooters. They're doing so under the command and watch of some government official, particularly the CIA, uh, which is amazing because the CIA is not supposed to be operating on uh, our soil, but they very much do. And, of course, the FBI is no different. They had programs like COINTELPRO and others that, you know, provocateur unrest and infiltrate you know, uh, different groups and, and spur them on and so forth. So uh, I think it's safe to say that we are seeing manipulation of the mind today like never before. It's a sign of the times. AI, we talked about uh, on my program yesterday, uh, is a big part of that, but it's not the only part. Um, so let's move now to the stage being set genetically. And, you know, this is... Uh, Something that really fascinated me. I'm certainly not, you know, a geneticist or a scientist. I, you know, I'm studied this stuff uh, for the purpose of reporting on it and writing about it. But I'm by no means an expert. But uh, I know enough to know this is this is one more sign of the times. Satan, as we know, has been trying to mess with the human genome for thousands of years. Uh, the the famous uh, angelic 
intrusion that we read about in Genesis chapter 6 was an attempt to mess with human DNA. It's been happening in many other ways. Um, and I'm going to talk about some of those next. But Satan hates humanity. Uh, he views mankind, rightly so, as the highest pinnacle of God's creation. We're the crown jewel. We were made in the image of God. We were intended to reflect God's glory. All of the eternal attributes of the eternal God, we have corresponding attributes that put us in a class by ourselves uh, as human beings, where you know God is sovereign. We have volition, right? We can make choices. Um, you know, we have thought process. We are creative. We can create and invent things. We, of course, have a soul, unlike any other created things. Oak trees don't have a soul. You know, neither do rose bushes, right? Uh, neither do plants, neither do animals. Um, so, uh, you know, when Satan got kicked out of heaven and his coup attempt failed, he has been, uh, for two reasons, attacking humanity. Number one, as an in-your-face to God, if he can say, you know, you know, this is the best you got? <sighs> Nothing. You know, we can recreate that. We can transcend humanity. We, we transhumanists can create even better human beings. Humans have nothing on what, you know, Yuval Noah Harari and Klaus Schwab are working on in the laboratory. That, that's their view. So it's, it's, it's a way to marginalize God by marginalizing his highest pinnacle of creation. But it goes beyond that. It's also personal. Uh, because we reflect the image of God in man. That image, of course, was marred and corrupted at the fall, but it is restored once we, by faith, are justified before a holy God. Now, as a born-again believer, uh, we still have that old fleshly nature, and some of the, sometimes the old man rears its ugly head, so we still behave in ways that are not consistent with the new nature. That's really the task of the Christian life. Are you going to live in such a way that the positional righteousness that you have in Christ is reflected in the practical righteousness that people see? Are, 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 are your actions going to be born out of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, not after the flesh, or are they born out of that, that old man? And every time we sin, we're catering to the old man. Um, that's really the task of the Christian life. But the only way to have that image of God in man that is, has been marred and corrupted by sin restored is through faith, faith alone and Christ alone. And I hope if you're listening to this tonight or, watched, or here in the room and you don't know the Lord Jesus, that you'll make that priority number one. Today's the day of salvation. We don't know how much time we have left. And by the way, even if the Lord doesn't come back tomorrow, you're not promised tomorrow. James tells us life is but a vapor, that today is and tomorrow is gone, you know. Um, and so, you know, you need to make sure your spiritual house is in order by trusting in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again for your sins. Um, but Satan is attacking mankind because he hates God, and therefore when he sees us and sees the way we interact, sees the way we worship God, uh, sees the way we talk about the good news of the gospel with others, when he and his minions see this, or they see it and report back to him, when he sees us solving problems, coming up with new inventions, and just doing things in, in the, out of the goodness of our heart, the, the new nature, that drives him crazy. He hates us. 
That's why the Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why Jesus said in John 8, 44, that, G that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. He's just nothing but a murderer. Uh, and uh, he comes to kill. So this is all part of this ramping up of the toying around genetically. And it's got so many... Uh, ramifications. But let's start with a biblical principle from the law, the Old Testament. It says, you shall not let your livestock breed with another kind. You not, shall not sow your field with mixed seed. See, kind with kind hybridization is fine. We do that all the time. But cross-species hybridization is not. And I'm going to talk to you about some examples of that here in just a moment. The primary reason God brought the global flood judgment on the world was because angels left their proper domain and cohabited, bred with beings of another, uh, you know, species, human beings. That's not meant to be. Angelology is a fascinating sub subject. It's, it's one I've studied for years and I'm still ongoing in my studies. Theology, after all, is a lifelong process. You never get to the point where you figure it all out and you can just sit back and you know play video games the rest of your life. Oh, I, I figured it all out. That was, that was fun. No, you got to study it for life. Theology is a process, not a product. And so I'm still working through the refinements of some of my angelology the more I study the different passages and connect the dots of Scripture. Um, so, but one thing we can say for certain is that angels are male and they appear as human beings every time they come up in Scripture. And so... But that doesn't mean they were intended to cohabit with human women. And yet that's exactly what happened in Genesis 6. The book of Jude elaborates on it, makes it crystal clear that's what happened. Peter talks about it as well. And the angels who did that were consequently judged and sent into um, Tartarus, the prison, uh, forever until they're cast into the lake of fire, prepared for the devil and his angels at the end of time. Uh, and their uh, progeny, the, the result of this... Uh, cross-species hybridization, the Nephilim, uh, are hybrids. They're not human beings. They're not made in the image of God. They don't have a soul. They can shape-shift back and forth between the material and the immaterial. And God destroyed the earth because these angels had, had crossed this, you know, uh, red line, so to speak. Um, so about 900 to 1,000 years later, when God gave the law, he said quite clearly, don't mix two different species together. Uh, don't mate two different species of animals. Uh, don't make the same mistake again, is what he's saying. But we're doing it. Um, and it's done in a variety of uh, uh, different uh, ways. Uh, by the way, I don't know if I have this on the slide that I'm going to get to here in a minute. Uh, but I've been reporting on spider-goat hybrids for over 12 years now. Anybody ever heard of that? They're mixing spiders and goats in the laboratory because they're evil. They're Frankensteins. They're just wanting to do, they're wanting to play. I mean, it, you know, it, you know it, it, there, there is, their, their mantra is, if you can do it, you know, why not? <laughs> We'd say, why? You know, there are some things that you just don't. Uh, do. So one part of this relates to something that we've already talked a lot about, and that is the, the digital aspect, the technological aspect, the bio-digital uh, convergence. Um, we've got a lot of blurring of the distinction between the technology side and the biological side. Um, 
That's why it's called BioDigital. Uh, here's a blatant example of this where an AI company, this is just from May 18th, talked about how they'll perform a seance on your dead loved ones for you. Um, it's called Seance AI. That's, that's the name of it. Um, we also see another blurring of the spiritual with the biological here, a cult. This is from Vice.com, March 21st of this year, that worships superintelligent AI is looking for big tech donors, creating a new religion, in essence. Klaus Schwab said, advances in neurotechnology will enhance our cognitive abilities. We will become better able to manipulate our own genes and those of our children. So this is something they've been talking about for a long time. Synthetic biology will give us the ability to customize organisms by writing or modifying, think Moderna, uh, your DNA. Uh, that's what Moderna was came into existence for, that company. Um, let's go back to September of 2000. Uh, I've written about this in several contexts before, uh, but it's relevant because of the quote that I'm about to give you. But uh, this relates to a, a, a think tank called the Project for the New American Century, or PNAC is what it was called. It was a neoconservative think tank based out of Washington, D.C. that focused on the United States foreign policy and how we should try to uh, export democracy all over the world and make every nation uh, like us. It was established as a nonprofit in 1997 by Bill Kristol and Robert Kagan. Uh, its stated goal was to promote American global leadership. Now, I don't have time to make this case, so I'm just going to tell you this, but you don't have to take my word for it. Uh, you may not believe it. That's fine. Look it up. Do your own research. But both of those gentlemen are very much a part of the Luciferian conspiracy, promoting American imperialism and trying to bring America under a one-world government. Um, its organization said that American leadership is good both for America and for the world. They were very much a globalist-minded organization. Very influential, very determinative, uh, very hands-on and, you know, in involved in all kinds of departments and agencies throughout the U.S., such as the Vice President, Office of Secretary of Defense, Deputy Secretary of Defense, Under Secretary of Defense, the Chairman of the Defense Policy Board, the Director of the National Security Council, uh, the U.S. Committee on NATO, the Director of Homeland Security, the Comptroller of the Department of Defense, the Deputy Secretary of State, Under Secretary of State, the former Director of the Central Intelligence Agency, Counselor to the U.S. State Department, the Director of the 9-11 Commission, and the Director of the International Broadcasting uh, Bureau, that's the uh, Voice of America. But of the 25 people who signed PNAC's founding statement of principles, 10 went on to serve in the administration of U.S. President George W. Bush, including Dick Cheney, Don Rumsfeld, Paul Wolfowitz. Um, PNAC played a key role in shaping foreign policy during the Bush administration. The Project for the New American Century ceased to function in 2006. It was replaced by a new think tank named Foreign Policy Initiative, also co-founded by Crystal and Kagan, and that was dissolved in 2017. Why do I bring up PNAC? Because if you read their document, Rebuilding America's Defenses, from September of 2000, they say a lot of very telling things. That's where we get the famous quote where they said, uh, absent a new Pearl Harbor, these initiatives that we've talked about will not be able to be brought about. And of course, what happened about a year later, 
a new Pearl Harbor. But anyway, that's beyond, that's for a discussion for another day. Here's the quote that caught my eye. Combat will likely take place in new dimensions. Remember, this is the year 2000, so 23 years ago. Combat will likely take place in new dimensions in space, cyberspace, and perhaps the world of microbes, advanced forms of biological warfare that can target specific genotypes may transform biological warfare from the realm of terror to a politically useful tool. So they're envisioning, two decades ago, playing with genetics in such a way that, for example, fighter jets could fly over a region and it can spray a chemical that is somehow capable of killing only all the male human beings that it comes in contact with. It lands on females, completely their genetic code is immune, right? That's just one example. I mentioned this book, I can't remember if it was in here, but uh, Maureen Heaton, uh, in her just outstanding booklet, uh, it's a public domain, you can get the PDF of it. Um, she's also, you'll sometimes see her referred to as K.M. Heaton, but uh, she's uh, with the Lord now. Never been widely disseminated, but like you know, a lot of other great works became sort of got a lot of attention after her death. But she said one of the least understood strategies of the world revolution that's now moving rapidly towards its goal is the use of mind control as a major means of obtaining the consent of the people who will be subjects of the new world order. We talked about that last week, the battle for the mind. So let's talk a little bit more about this genetic hybridization. I've mentioned Chimera before. A Chimera in Greek mythology was a fire-breathing she-monster with a lion's head, a goat's body, and a serpent's tail. But over time, that term Chimera became uh, common, commonly used to refer to an individual consisting of tissues of diverse genetic constitution. And what the Luciferians are doing today by messing with the human genome is creating Chimeras. It's no different than the sin of the fallen angels in Genesis 6. So CRISPR uh, technology, I reported on this back in 2016. I was keynoting at a crisis pregnancy center annual fundraiser for Sanctity of Life, and I talked about this even back then. That's been seven years ago. Um, but this is uh, uh, an article uh, in Wired Magazine. Um, the subtitle, I don't know if you can see the article no hunger, no pollution, no disease, and the end of life as we know it. The Genesis Engine is the name of the project. Genesis meaning beginning. Remember, they're trying to create life. Um, but in uh, 2015, at a conference in Napa Valley, California, 18 of the world's smartest scientists met together to talk about the implications of genome engineering. CRISPR stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats, or CRISPR. It's, uh, it makes it easy, cheap, and fast to move genes around. It's slicing and dicing our DNA. It takes one strand of DNA, slices it and dices it into another completely different plant or animal with irreversible changes. There's no going back. One scientist in attendance at the conference said, quote, these are monumental moments in the history of biomedical research. Indeed. Again, uh, the end of life as we know it, they called it. Editing, one, one scientist said, editing DNA is now as easy as cut and paste. 
And this was, you know, eight years ago, 2015 at the conference. Welcome to the post-human world. Uh, so a synopsis of the article, thanks to this new technique called CRISPR, editing DNA is easy. Ready or not, evolution is about to get an upgrade. We can speed evolution along. It doesn't take millions of years for us to go from a wet rock to eventually a slimy creature crawling out of an ocean, eventually growing legs after millions of years, and eventually learning how to talk and think and becoming humans, you know. Oh, we can speed the process of evolution up. We now have the power to quickly and easily alter DNA. It could eliminate disease. It could solve world hunger. It could, uh, it could provide unlimited clean energy. It could really get out of hand as well. This technology allows geneticists to conjure up whatever they've always wanted, designer babies, which is the transhumanist movement. It's, it's, it's Satan trying to do the one thing he will never be able to do. I mean, he can do a lot. I mean, he's conquered in his mind gender, language, you know, life in many ways, but he'll never be able to create life out of nothing. And, and that's what he's trying to do. The new technique gives scientists, quote, godlike power to plug genes from one living thing into another. Uh, they literally, literally admit, and again, this it was a little more subtle back then, but now Yuval Noah Harari's out there just telling the whole world everywhere he goes that, you know, God's dead, uh, we're here to create God. Elon Musk, remember, famously said, uh, you know, uh, when he was asked, uh, uh, do you, uh, what did he say, do you think there's a God or something like that? And he said, not yet, but we're working on it is the idea, right? So they're trying to create, become godlike uh, beings and uh, uh, plug genes from one living thing into another. So, you know, this, again, is not like trying to create thornless roses or seedless grapes or watermelons. It's something entirely different and much more sinister uh, that has really never been done before in human history. So let me give you a few examples, um, some of them less, uh, you know, problematic or concerning uh, than others. But the bottom line is, and I was just thinking about this yesterday, we don't need... This is another sign of the times that we're getting close and close. You know, everybody's out there. I'm, I'm chasing several strings here, but I'll, I hope I'll bring it back around if I don't forget where I started. But there are all kinds of people out there right now talking about the days of Noah and how that, in many ways, they say relates to this angelic intrusion back in the days of Noah. I, I certainly believe that we're seeing potentially more angelic intrusions. It's nothing in the scripture that precludes that. We can't say for sure. It's an argument from silence. We certainly see an upsurge in the spiritual realm of this demonic activity and evil spirit activity. Um, but the fact is we don't need angelic incursions to create hybrids anymore. We can do it in a laboratory. Uh, I heard about how they are taking DNA from an eagle eye eagle's eye and implanting it in a human eye to give people supervision, super powered vision, right? Uh, we've, they've worked, they're working on featherless chickens. Imagine how much money that would save in the chicken industry, right? Uh, you know, you don't, you have, a, you save a whole step, right? Uh, there's also a whole movement called pharmaceuticals, intentionally spelled like farm, because they're working on injecting medicines into chicken eggs so that you never know what you're eating. 
you know, as you're eating eggs or cooking with eggs, you've got these drugs in it. And this goes back to MKUltra and, and all the many uh, attempts that they've done and experiments they've done for years, spraying drugs in the atmosphere, putting drugs in the drinking water like they tried in San Francisco a few decades ago. Uh, you know, the city council said, man, our citizens are just way too wild. They, just, they need to calm down. We're going to put some, you know, antipsychotic, you know, depressants and stuff in the water system and, and it'll calm them down. You have no idea what these people are capable of. So that's pharmaceuticals, medicines uh, uh, injected into chicken. I guess we would have chicken pharmazon then maybe, I don't know. Um, uh, we've also got what's called frankenswine, where they're creating these huge muscular pigs. Uh, and what's their goal in creating these frankenswine? To create pigs that don't produce as much gas. Apparently, that's a big problem on pig farms. Um, I mean, I don't know how you'd know if a pig passed gas when you're on a pig farm. I've been on a pig farm. I toured a pig farm. It stunk, and it stunk because there were a bunch of pigs wallowing around in their own slop, not because of the gas problem. But anyway, that's what they're working on. Uh, they're also working on low-fat pigs, which is, I mean, isn't that kind of an oxymoron? I mean... What's the point? There goes the flavor, right? But they're mixing pig genes with rat genes to accomplish this. Um, they're splicing worm genes into pigs, uh, so they'll produce more omega-3 oils. They're working on hornless cows. Uh, they're also working on super cows that can tolerate more heat. Uh, they're talking about uh, creating super soldiers and China and South Korea are well advanced in, in this area where they're, they're injecting uh, soldiers with certain DNA that will help them grow almost impenetrable uh, muscles so that on the battlefield they'll have ox-like, oxen-like abilities where they can carry you know, 10 times the amount of weight that a normal soldier can carry on their back and they can do it for hours on end without ever tiring right? Uh, it goes along with some of the other things they're doing for trying to create uh, super soldiers. But almost anything we ingest is being tampered with today. You know, it, it's really hard to know uh, where, uh, you know, to turn. Um, then we've got um, genetically modified dogs. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, you know, insects that they're working on. I've talked about this before, how they're injecting mosquitoes with certain viruses and drugs and things and then dispersing them into the uh, atmosphere. Fruit flies, uh, butterflies, same thing. Here's one, dominant lethals. Um, these are insects that will, they're, they're creating dominant lethals so that insects will kill each other when they bite. Um, okay. Let's, let's run with that for a second. How does that affect humans when they bite humans? Well, we'll, we'll figure that out soon enough. We're just going to, we're, we're trying to solve this insect problem. So we're going to create these one insects that will bite these others. These will die. Problem solved. Okay, well, what if they bite a human, right? But as we know with the gene-altering bioinjections, they're not too concerned about testing. <laughs> they just want to get it out there to market. Uh, South American scientists have raised the alarm that these killer mosquitoes could honestly kill millions of people, their words.
Um, not long ago, they this was in the mainstream news, it was probably about two years ago, they released mutant mosquitoes in Florida, uh, which is right out of the page of Operation Big Buzz, Operation Dropkick, Operation Big Itch, some of those other things that they've done many times before. Um, you know, we're looking at genetically modified babies using hybrid eggs. Uh, I reported on uh, in, in a presentation I did at a conference how not long ago in Canada there was the first baby that was born without human DNA, allegedly, right? Um, they're using gene modification in adults too, which is going to forever alter their progeny. But they're combining man and animals uh, as a way of solving the, the donor or the organ donor crisis, right? Um, so putting human DNA from humans who need a heart transplant in pigs so that when the pigs grow up, it will have a mixture of human DNA and have, a, therefore, a human heart that can then be harvested and put in a human, custom to that human only at this point, they're saying. Uh, but, of course, there's no guarantee that the genetic structure will stay the same once it's inside the... the uh, the pig, and, and then you go put it back in the human, who knows what's going on. It's all crazy. Um, so I've talked about Moderna a couple of times. Remember, um, uh, Moderna uh, was created for the purpose of modifying DNA and seeing how that might play out in the world of uh, vaccinations. Uh, so Elon Musk uh, and his... Uh, issues with uh, Neuralink and brain-computer in interfaces is yet another way that technology and biology are merging. Um, so I've got several other examples, but I'm already six minutes past our time when we normally shift into questions and answers. But the bottom line is the stage is clearly uh, being set with all of this chimeric activity and gen genetic modification. And one has to wonder how long will God allow this to go on? How long will he tolerate this? When does God say enough's enough and we're moving into the final phase of my program of the ages? Remember, God's program uh, starts with the end times program, starts with the rapture, followed by a seven-year tribulation period sometime after that with the Antichrist ruling over the world, followed by the return of Christ at the Battle of Armageddon to judge the Antichrist and false prophet and inaugurate the kingdom, followed by a thousand-year earthly reign on this present earth, a time of unprecedented peace and righteousness and justice, followed by, after that thousand years, the destruction of this sin-stricken earth and the recreation of the heavens and the earth in sinless perfection. That's where we're headed. Uh, all right, any questions or comments tonight? And remember to speak into the microphone. Uh, so that the folks at home can hear what you have to say. And speak loud, too, so the folks in the room can hear you. Anybody? Comment or question? Nobody. Okay, here we go. Uh, can someone do the mic for me? Just so I can stay my mic, because then they can't hear me on this other mic. All right. Thank you. Is this on? Yeah, it's on, but it's not for the room. Got it's it. for the. Uh, <laughs> thanks for stretching our brains in this direction tonight. Um, I'm still back on.
the spider goat <laughs> hybrid. <laughs> Tell me, how, what is the point of that? I mean, how... What is the point of any of it? That's, yeah, that's, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's just it, mad science. They're so um, dissimilar. I'm sure there's some point, and I used to know what it was, but it, it, whatever it is, it's not worth it. So, but I would just uh, look it up on a search engine. Spider goats, and uh, I'm sure someone will explain the justification for it. Anybody else? I do have some questions. I didn't have time to write all of them down. I've got tons of emails. I apologize to those of you listening that, uh, you know, are wondering where, why I haven't responded. It's just been crazy. Um, well, now if I can. Anybody else here have a question while I'm trying to find these others? All right. This isn't really a question, but we watched uh, on Netflix, they have a documentary called Unnatural Selection about the CRISPR technology and people just doing these things in their backyard and the things that you can buy to be able to alter this genetics that's a few hundred dollars and people are just buying them and one guy was trying to make their dogs their puppies glow like fluorescent and Unreal. I, I mean just it's a really it's still on Netflix but it's a really interesting documentary about what's it called again unnatural selection unnatural selection yes. yeah well yeah I mean it's it's a I mean, it's been around for a while uh, as a field, obviously, but it's just with the merging of technology and biology, it's like Katie bar the door. They're, they're just trying anything. Um, and, uh, and I know that there are some geneticists out there that are honestly, you know, doing good work trying to use science and capabilities to try to cure diseases and, and, and solve things, but there ought to be a regulatory defining uh, principle uh, behind that, which we would believe is God's word. And, you know, in the same way that you shouldn't use, you know, fetuses to create vaccines, uh, you know, murdered babies to create vaccines, you shouldn't use certain genetic uh, technology just because you can. Uh, did you have a question? I just was wondering if you had heard about the WEF's announcement today, you know, who's they're involved with Klaus Schwab as well, but they're going to be using the AI and AI to rewrite the Bible yeah, correctly yeah. so that it's more all encompassing and can create a one world religion. Yeah. So that was a couple of days ago. Nuvalno Harari, who's kind of Klaus Schwab's right hand guy at the World Economic Forum, uh, yeah, they want to use AI to rewrite not just the Bible, but all religious books to correct them. That all religious books, which they, of course, lump the Bible in there with every other book, uh, all the sacred books, they say, are subject to error and problems because they're man-made. But AI is much smarter than that. It has transcended humanity, so they're going to rewrite uh, the Bible. They're already using AI in churches to preach sermons. They're using AI to create discipleship programs, you know. 
uh, everything's going to be outsourced. I mean, uh, think about it. From a, even if they're not directly, knowingly tied into the Luciferian agenda at large, which is to take over the world, just the pure motive, uh, the impure motives of power and money and greed and things, uh, who wouldn't want to save millions of dollars on HR costs? You don't have to pay insurance. You don't have to pay vacation. You don't have to worry about them being sick. You, you know, you buy it one time, the technology, and you got a lifetime. So that's what uh, Shane was talking about yesterday on our on our uh, program. We called it uh, AI and embodiment and the threat to AI embodiment and the threat to humanity. And so yeah, that's what they're that's what they're working on. They they want to get rid of humans. And on some levels, again, it's just unwitting bad you know people by the way next time we're going to talk about and i've mentioned this a couple of weeks ago we're going to talk about how the stage is being set uh sorry satanically uh in the sense that uh sometimes you just have bad people doing bad things and satan is just tapping into the natural depravity of fallen man to get people to do things. So, you know, some people who commit murder aren't doing it because a demon told them to. I mean, it's, it's clearly demonic in the broad sense of either being light or darkness. I get that. But sometimes out of anger, they're just doing it. They're just angry or jealous or they want to collect the insurance money. So, you know, we have bad people doing bad things, which is all also on the upsurge. But, but yeah, they ultimately, a lot of these people just want to increase the bottom line. So if they can use AI technology to do any job and save millions of dollars in, in costs, personnel costs, that, why not? But yeah, that's a, that, would, that one definitely caught my eye to rewrite, uh, rewrite the Bible. Yeah, right over here. Along the AI lines, um, I actually work in the IT industry, um, so I have a little bit of experience with some of that. But uh, just as a caution, this is really dangerous. Um, Elon Musk has warned that it's dangerous um, and actually is calling for an oversight board for it. I give an example, if you haven't seen it yet, go out to the internet and watch the interview that just took place the other day between Joe Rogan and Steve Jobs. Uh, <clears throat> Steve Jobs has obviously been dead for a number of years now, but he just went through an interview, and it's exactly his voice. It's exactly Joe Rogan's voice, and the entire interview was created on the fly by a computer. Oh, yeah. And it sounds just like them. Uh, another, uh, what was the other example? Um, people are considering using this stuff political tools and deep fakes is what they call it, where basically it looks and sounds just like the President of the United States warning of perhaps some catastrophe or whatever they make up along the lines. Just recently this week, there was a lawyer who went out and researched a yeah. case on an AI um, engine and he didn't realize, he presented it in court, turns out the entire engine made up the case yeah. and it was not a real case. Yeah, we talked about on that on so, yesterday's podcast. Okay. Uh, that's called AI hypnotism where the AI doesn't even realize what it's saying is wrong. And so the AI thought it was producing real content, but that lawyer got caught mm -hmm. and they figured out that this was all 
crazy. Elon, uh, not Elon Musk, but uh, Yuval Noah Harari, in an article I, I think I've cited in here uh, just from a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, talks about, I think it was in The Economist magazine, he made that same statement that, look, we're not, you, you don't need to be worried about, uh, you know, students using AI to plagiarize, you know, papers. You need to worry about the 2024 election, as if he's telegraphing what's coming. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. And then... Um Oh, I was going to add one other thought, but I forgot what it was. I know. I, I sidetracked you. But, no, there's no – your point is so important. Don't miss what he's saying here. That is, uh, with the virtual reality and the blur, blurring of reality and, and fiction, we're not going to be able to know what's true. And so they can – you know, they've always been able to control powerful people. I mean, that's been the whole premise of my series, and I t talk about that in the book, about controlled – uh, opposition, controlled uh, politicians, controlled presidents, controlled Supreme Court, several documented ways that they can do it. Uh, you may think it's not that easy. It is a breeze. It's so simple. And they have several textbook ways to do that. But all of those don't matter anymore because they could just literally fabricate evidence. And, and you know, if you're on a jury and you see, you know, J.B., uh, you know, killing a cat, which, for the record, I would never do. <laughs> I'm serious. Someone, I, I remember that bumper sticker I showed you a few, couple weeks ago of the car that my daughter took the picture of that said something like, powered by Satan, and then also said, I love cats, and I was making a joke. Oh, cat, that figures, you know, like that. Someone emailed me irate that I was suggesting that all cat lovers are Satan worshipers, and they, they said, you, I, I hope your disdain for cats doesn't translate into animal cruelty, as if I'm out there killing cats like I just wanted to say get a life if you think that if you can't take a joke I've been you know joking about cats for 35 years so if you can tell that email touched a nerve but anyway I, you can take a picture of me killing a dog just in case anybody misrepresents what I'm saying and you know show that picture and it's not even me and I could go to jail right right at the end of the day the AI is just a computer yeah. garbage in garbage out mm -hmm. if you program it with garbage just like a human mind it kind of operates it's designed to operate like a human mind and if you if the human mind can absorb garbage in and produce garbage out we're seeing a lot of that in California these days yeah uh, you get the you get the wrong result and it, it it'll be it'll sound convincing because it's the computer that produced it yeah but there's another whole layer yeah to large language model AI. <clears throat> and I encourage you guys to listen to the podcast I did yesterday. Uh, powerful stuff. Shane's just on the cutting edge of all this stuff. But the different layer is with <clears throat> large language model AI, the algorithms are trained to draw conclusions from data. So you have to have the data set in there. But the in the example of the, the lawyer that used AI to produce case uh, files, uh, that he wasn't, that AI wasn't just simply regurgitating verbatim some file that someone put in. He was drawing from real data, creating a reality and presenting it as real. And that's exactly what we saw with the Steve Jobs interview. Um, as I mentioned, I think it was last week, you could have, you know, I forget the artists I use, but, you know, Buddy Holly and, you know, Bob Dylan do a duet on stage, you know, uh, that kind of a thing. And, music and of course, creating music, creating art, all kinds of implications for that. Was there another hand up here? Yeah. 
back to the genetic manipulation, I'm going to try to make this question coherent because it's not coherent in my mind. So I'm going to try to make it coherent. Well, I'll try to give a coherent answer. Thank you. Okay, I'm thinking about babies. And I'm thinking about pre-rapture and post-rapture during the tribulation. I mean, they're already messing around with trying. I know they're like wanting to try to say, we'll take out diseases and we'll make your child more healthy. And then it kind of slips into, do you want blue eyes or green eyes? And what color hair do you want? And then I'm thinking about after the rapture when there is nothing but evil. And my mind goes to what they'll be trying to create for their own own uses. And I'm thinking, where does God stop? And are those children still human when because i mean evil can go so far they're already making spiders and goats i mean what are you gonna <laughs> no, do with spider them? goats not spiders and goats okay. spider goats spider but goats. i mean spiders with goats to make spider goats so what do they get i'm just it's so first of all uh, you know although there might be ethical considerations to it and it might be a discussion for another day for decades we've had designer babies where you, t- you can purchase, not to be too biological here, but purchase sperm from a Yale graduate who's, you know, right. an IQ of this or whatever, and then put it with an egg of some, you know, similar female, and then and that way create a designer baby and then for adoption. But that, again, is kind with kind. Right. right? What happens when but they... But when you start mis- messing different species and injecting different, you know stuff into the egg i mean it just becomes just a, a nightmare is it human is it does it have a soul does I, yeah. okay at, you know i'm asking you to think like god here um <laughs> well does, what that's happens a tall task. to that what where does yeah i mean i think you'd have to go case by case but we know that the nephilim are not human you know they're not human is is 100 human dna if you start creating goat man or you know whatever uh that's that's a different thing you know you're not human because you have some human dna you're human because you have you're you're fully human so yeah do i mean you think i, I don't know I'm, again far? i'm not a geneticist i think it would be do you think yeah. they'll go that far i mean i can't see how it, you know won't if the lord doesn't come back but i think i can't see how the lord won't come back and put a stop to it that's the thing by the way you mentioned something that somewhere in my list of questions here i, I put it down but i i, I want to bring it up and that is babies in the rapture. Remember we talked last week about uh, whether there would really be massive chaos and stuff after the rapture and stuff. Someone emailed me with a very uh, astute point, and that is that, you know, because we believe that those who are incapable of knowing good and evil and, and believing the gospel mentally are covered by God's grace, and, and I strongly believe that I can make the case biblically, uh, sometimes you hear that referred to as the age of accountability. I try to resist that term because it implies that there's a certain age, that once you've reached this age, you now you know, you got to believe the gospel or you're going to hell. If you're below that age, you can't. It's not about an age. It's about mental ability. You know, the one and only thing that God says you have to do to be saved, to receive the free gift, is believe the gospel. If you're not mentally capable of, of knowing and understanding that Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead, maybe you've got a mental illness or you're mentally handicapped or whatever uh, then you know you're covered and that's true of young children who, who don't yet understand right from wrong and understand the nature of sin and the fact that God sent his son to die for them so when the rapture happens 
you know, all those children that are not of age yet, they're going to be raptured as our unborn babies and so forth. That in and of itself would be a pretty, I would think, unsettling thing. It's one thing if to kind of hide or cover up or lie about a bunch of adults that went missing. And again, as we said, there might not be that many Christians alive on the earth at the time of the rapture, so maybe it'll be met with a collective yawn. But all the children, uh, you know, that's a pretty big noticeable thing. And that's going to create presumably an outcry. Now, with what they're doing with the depopulation agenda, and I, I was just on with Sherry Tenpenny today talking about the depopulation agenda, and that'll, that'll be coming out in July. But, um, I mean, who knows? If the, if the time goes on much longer, we're going to have fewer and fewer children. That's why we need Christians to have children. So We're doing our part, by the way. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. We're done doing our part. We did our part. That's what I'm, what I'm trying to say is we did our part. Okay. All right. Any, any other questions? Yes. Uh, back here on the left. I heard about CRISPR and that if something about if they change 1% of our DNA, then we're not human anymore. Mm -hmm. So how does that play into some of these things like, you know, the death shot or different things that they're talking about with that? Because if they start modifying us, do we not have the soul then? Or Yeah, so uh, again, I'm not a uh, geneticist, but based on biblical anthropology, not secular anthropology, but what the Bible says about man, mankind, uh, you know, once you're human, you're always human. You can, you know, slice and dice and add things to that human, and it doesn't change your constitutionality. You're, you have a soul the moment you're conceived in that moment. David said, in sin my mother conceived me. In other words, I was a sinner from the moment the egg met the sperm. So that's that's humanity. We're born dead in our trespasses and sins. So alter, trying to alter that later, that's different. But if you create a new baby that from the inception is not fully human DNA, well then that gets into a more problematic area. But you know, again, that's a question for people a lot more studied than I am on that topic. All right, any other questions or comments? Back here. Be nice to this lady. Okay. So our daughter just gave birth to a baby boy, and we know that we have three more baby boy embryos in the deep freeze. Would those babies be raptured since they're technically frozen and their hearts aren't technically beating, but they are actually viable embryos? Absolutely. So and I the can egg have... meets the sperm and an embryo is created. They're human beings. All right, because yeah. I, I want as many grandkids as I yeah. can get. So. <laughs> Whether it be here or up here. Here or there, that's right. All right, well, thank you, guys. Um, so remember to watch your emails. There's always a, a chance of something coming up last minute that causes us to have to shift to online only. But Lord willing, we'll see you here uh, next week. And uh, continue to check out some of the podcasts coming up this week. I'm going to be with Mondo Gonzalez Thursday talking about apostasia in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, Friday, I've got John Loeffler again. I had such a great time with him. He's agreed to Talk, have another conversation. And of course, tomorrow is World Events Update with, uh, with Randy. So let me close this in prayer, and then we'll finish up. Father, thank you for this time together tonight. Thank you for 
Lord, even though we don't have the answers to all these things, we know that you do, and you've given us everything we need in your word. Help us to just saturate ourselves with your word, that it might calm our fears, give us direction, wisdom. Help us to know more about you in that way, and then we will just see all of life through the lens of your perspective, and things will seem a lot better. So, Lord, we pray uh, that you dismiss us now with your blessing and watch care in Jesus' precious name. Amen.